Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message. Hello, Harbor! I do have to question why I am the one who is speaking on the night of looking at the olden days. I just, (laughs) something about that just seems a little fishy to me. I don't know. Uh, But I do want to talk to you. The psalm we sang about God's in the fire with you. I, I don't know what's going on in your life or mine. I do know that God is there with you. He's with me every single step of the way. And that goes true for the past also. So let, let me for a moment take you back in time to the Sears household. My wife and my daughter, every weekend, either Friday night or Saturday sometime, they would sit down and watch what now is considered a classic movie. I, I, got, so, I got tired of hearing it. But the, when they get together now, they still sit down and watch this, what I would consider a dumb movie, let me just give you a couple of thoughts in it, and maybe you'll begin thinking and understanding and identifying who it could be or what movie it might be. It takes place down in the southern states, and over the course of years of history, families would all get together during the summer months at this particular week, and they would go to a specific family camp, and all the parents would sit there, and they would interact with each other, and they would play games and all that, and their kids would be off learning things, and and so this one family that's the focal point in the whole movie, the guy's daughter falls in love with a dance teacher, and the dad does not want this to happen. This is his precious sweet, pure, young daughter. And he knows what's on the mind of this dance teacher. And the dance teacher just happens to look a little bit like Patrick Swayze. (laughs) And so the dance teacher and the daughter come to a point that they say, that's it. Enough. I want to be with you, you want to be with me, we don't care what dad thinks about anything, we're going to get together and we're going to dance and we're going to be in love. And so the dad finds out about it when the daughter starts dancing, he comes up and he's stopping it and Patrick Swayze looks at the dad of this daughter and says, nobody puts baby in the corner. And when that happens, my wife and my daughter sit there and they oh, wish Patrick Swayze would say that for me. Well, okay, never mind. Camels get their back broke by straw. It's put this way, the straw that broke the camel's back. You ever heard that? It's a point in time that before that it was tolerated When you reach this point, no more. It's over. I'm, not me, but I am dating Patrick Swayze. I don't care what you say, Dad. And they get out there, and he does that awesome lift of her over his head like this, you know. And the dad looks at that, and he falls in love with Patrick Swayze also. (laughs) And they go out there. There's things from our past that we make idols out of, a week. We're we're willing to destroy the happiness of our child 
because over the past however long, we've been doing this, this particular way. You see, when I was in college, I took judo. I can't tell it now, but I took judo. And, uh, and so during the competition, I had my judo gi, and if you've ever worn one, there's nothing more comfortable than a judo gi. And I, so I kept that, and I think conservatively, I kept it for 15 years after I got out of college. And as soon as I got home from work, I'd go in, I'd change my clothes, and I'd put on the pants to that judo gi, and Marilyn hated it because there's stains everywhere, and there's rips where you're not supposed to have rips, and it's, you know, it's just barely holding together, and Marilyn keeps, Ron, please put something else on. I said, no, nobody takes Ron's judo gi and puts it in the corner. <laughs> it ain't happening. Until Marilyn reached that point where the straw broke the camel's back. And I came home from work one day and I went into my third from the top drawer or second from the bottom, however you want to be positive or negative in your outlook. And I went through that third from the top drawer and I opened it up and I'm looking for my gi pants and they're not there. And I, got, I figured maybe Marilyn's washing the clothes. So I go into the laundry area and everything's neatly folded and clean and there's no washing no dryer going. So I go into the, you know, into the living room, and I, I know, I, I, I'm telling you, I know that Marilyn would not have done anything to my judo gi pants. And so I go in and say, Marilyn, <laughs> do you happen to know where my gi is? And she said, oh, yeah, it's in your rag box for working on tools. I said, what? I'll just go get it. And she said, go ahead, but I cut it into small pieces. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I went and got a, a degree in counseling. It was not to help other people out. It's to help me to deal. Oh, never mind. She's not here tonight, so I can say these kind of things. Uh, but I want to talk to you about a time in the, in the nation of Israel's life where awesome things happen. And because awesome things happen, they begin in their minds building pictures of, of sanctity to this. And they begin worshiping things that God had not given them permission to worship. And so we're going to look primarily at two portions of Scripture. One starts at the beginning as it should. The other starts at the end so that we can find out what happens in our lives when we worship things from our past. Now, as has been indicated by Pastor Josh, it doesn't have to be a physical idol. All it has to be is something that we place before God. Anything in my life that I place before God is an idol. It, it may be a job, it, it could be a vehicle, could be trying to get an education, maybe trying to make my marriage work or salvage my kids or whatever it may be. Anything I place before God in my life is an idol. And what I realize, the older I get, and I turn around and look back at my past, there are things back there in my past 
that in my mind I have built up into much bigger deals than what they really were. You see, when I was in college, I was elected president of Delta Phi Epsilon. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but on the campus, I was BMOC, big man on campus. Everybody knew who Ron was because he was president of Delta Phi Epsilon. They just, I thought. Now, after you graduate, five years, 10 years, 15 years, they have those reunions that you go back to. And all Delta Phi guys, would, we would all get together, as we did when we were in college, and we would talk, and here's what I realized. The guy that was obnoxious in college in Delta Phi is still obnoxious at the reunion of 15 years of our graduation. And at our 30 year, he was still obnoxious. I was the same. I didn't change. I was still likable as ever. I was just sweetheart. I was, I was Patrick Swayze incarnate. That was me. But we would get together, and over a course of time, we realized what we remember of the good old days of Delta Phi really are not true. And we are, when we get together, worshiping something before God. Because our identity and our connection and our relationship and our fellowship and our conversations and our networking with other people at times was centered around this group and the group no longer exists. But the God who I worshipped back then is still the same God that I worship today. He's not changed. I, I make a statement that I am Patrick Swayze incarnate and you laugh because you look at me and realize, hey, you're smoking something, Ron. I, I, I can't see it. But that's because you weren't there back then. And in my mind, I still am, but in reality, I'm not. So those kind of thoughts were just kind of bouncing around in my mind when Pastor Josh asked me to speak. And what I realized was that there are times in my life that when I look back and wish for and dream about, and just like the dad in Dirty Dancing we're really saying that back then is better than right now. We're saying that God's blessings then are greater than God's blessings are now, is what we're implying. And what we're going to look at is the tribe of Israel, they're leaving the land of, of uh, Egypt, and they're going into the land that we call the promised land because God promised it to their ancestor, Abraham. And they begin looking back and wishing for things, and they lose sight of their God in today. A couple of thoughts. We say others have done more than what I have done. We imply that yesterday had real value, and today it's just a counterfeit. 
You see, the children of Israel were bowing before a brass snake. God said, Israel, you have one God, and that's me. And you don't bow down to any other gods. You don't make any other images before me. You worship me. And a thousand years later, Israel's bowing down before a brass snake. And it's not that the snake wasn't important. It was. But the issue is, they were bowing before it rather than their God. Let me just quickly bring you up to what's gone on in their, in their history. You see, they've wandered in the wilderness. God gave them manna is what we call it. And it's been compared to the angels' food that they eat. It's a sweet honey morsel. Pastor Josh talked about how last week when they needed water... God brought water out of, the, out of the rock, and there was enough there for all of them and all of their animals to take care of all their needs. God sends to them, because of their sin, snakes in their midst, and they begin biting them, and they die. Um, The people come, they repent, and they say, hey, Moses, go back to God. We've sinned. Tell him. Apologize to him for us. God says, okay, Moses, here's what you do. I want you to make a snake out of brass. I want you to put it on a pole. I want you to put it in the middle of the camp. And anyone who looks at the snake is healed of their snake bite. Now stop for a moment. COVID is taking over our world. Let's put it into today's concept. And you go to your doctor because you have all of the symptoms of COVID. And your doctor looks at you and he says, on your way out of my office, if you look at my degree on the wall, you'll be healed. All symptoms of COVID will go away. All you got to do is look at my degree on the wall. Don't respond, but how many of you would continue going to that doctor? Who would go on Facebook and say, hey guys, friends, all of you who have all the symptoms of COVID, you need to get to my doctor's office. All you have to do is look at his diploma on his wall and you will no longer be sick with COVID. they may start considering your sanity also if you do that. And, and yet that's exactly what God asked of Moses in his leadership position to lead the children of Israel to do. Numbers chapter 21, verse 5. And they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. Now stop for a moment and realize they had food to eat, so they're not telling the truth, and they had water to drink, so they're lying. Here's something I've realized about my life. When I start complaining, I start exaggerating and lying the circumstances 
that I'm complaining about. If I start complaining about, God forbid, my wife, all of a sudden I start picking things out to complain about my wife with. I mean, yesterday I was happy, today I'm complaining. What, what's the difference? What I'm focusing on. Verse 6. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes. It's, in some versions it's called a serpent. I, I had to look that up. I didn't know the difference between a serpent and a snake. I, I just thought they both were the same. And what I found out was, if a snake bites you, you live. If a serpent bites you, you die, because that's the venomous, poisonous one of the species. And so God sends this poisonous snake among the people, and many were bitten and died. Now, when that happened, verse 7 says, the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Did you realize that when you speak against leadership, you're technically speaking against God since God appoints leadership? Okay, I'll pass on that one. He comes and he says, they say as a group, pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. I struggled with that one, that, that, that part of the storyline, because in my prayer, if there's snakes in my house and my family's being bitten and I have family members and friends coming over and some of them are dying and I'm praying and asking God for help, I'm not just going to ask God to get rid of the snakes. I'm also going to ask God to heal my family that's been bitten. I mean, that just makes sense to me. Yes, get rid of the snakes, but while you're getting rid of the snakes, God, heal my family. I don't want them to die. And so that, that made no sense to me when I read that. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, why did these guys not ask God to heal them? All they wanted was for God to take the snakes away. And about a year ago, Marilyn came to me and she said, Ron, I heard a new song. you got to hear this. And so we, we went online and, and, and we listened to it. And the name of the song is More Than Anything. And as we listened to that song, my wife and I just sat there and we cried like babies. Let me just share a couple of lines from the song with you. It says, I know you can. Can what? Can whatever. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. I know you can, God, but if you don't. Because there are those times that in our economy, God doesn't. I prayed God heal my mom. Could God do it? Yes. But two months later, she died. There's just those times. It makes no sense. There was not outright sin in her life. She was a sinner, but there wasn't, she wasn't rebellious towards God. She was my prayer warrior. She was a godly woman. And God, I've anointed her like you tell me to, and I've prayed over her in faith. God, heal her. She's only 52 years old. And she died eight weeks later. 
And I walked out of her room where she's lying on that bed, dead and coldless, cold. What do you think you're doing, God? I didn't pray that you would heal her in heaven. I prayed that you would heal her here on earth. I mean, after all, you raised kids from the dead in the in in. Christ's life. You, you went up to blind people and gave them their sight back. You, you walked over to individuals who had never walked and you took them by the hand and said, stand and walk. And they stood and they walked. And all I'm asking is that my mom lives. But when you don't, here's what the song says. Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the Savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the gift. And what I realized about the children of Israel when they said, God, take the snakes away, they were not as concerned about being healed from the snake bite as giving glory to God. They were focused on him. God, please, let us focus on the healer more than the healing of this. When the people of God become impatient, I won't speak for you if you're a people of God. I'll speak for me because I'm his child. When I become impatient with God and he's not doing it on my time frame, I grumble. You know, my, my wife and I, we moved here last June, we, or July. We have been looking day and night for a house. And every time we go to buy a house, somebody else overbids us in cash. And we're praying, and we have hundreds of people praying that God would give us a house. And every time we get outbid by cash, I would just kind of, in my heart, just, you know, praise God, he's got a better place for us, you know. I'd say those things because that's what I'm supposed to say because I'm God's child, and I'm working here at Harbor Church, and I don't want to discourage anybody else. But I get in my car and say, God, what in the world are you doing? I need a house to live in. But when you don't, God, help me to worship you as the giver more than the gift. You see, they were murmuring because there was no water or any food in their minds. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about this, but buzzards and eagles fly in the same area and they look for things to eat and they both fly over the same fields looking for things to eat and they both find something to eat the eagle eats only live prey the buzzard eats only dead prey why because they get what they're looking for depends on what you're looking for the gift or the giver? The healing or the healer? What are you looking for? Well, the Bible says that God came to them and he told them what to do. And he says, if you look at this brazen snake, 
you'll be healed. Let me stop for a moment with you. When did they get healed? And this is not rhetorical. I want you to respond back. When did they get healed? When they looked. So how much faith did it take them to get healed? Enough to look. Right? If you look, you're healed. How much faith does it take for me to be healed? Enough to look. Well, I happen to be married to somebody that they just have so much stinking faith and trust in God that if he said, look at the brazen snake up there, she would just say, okay, look. But not me. I've got to figure this thing out. I've got, I've got a reason with the Lord. I mean, I, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Let's sit down, God, and let's, why are you making me look at the dumb snake so everybody else will think I'm an idiot? Do you not have any medicine? Is there not a doctor? Is there not a practitioner that I can go to? You mean to tell me, God, that if I just look at the dumb snake, I won't die? And if I keep arguing with God long enough, I'm going to die. When all I had to do was look. You see, we sit and we argue in our minds about this faith thing of Jesus Christ, and we sit there and say, it, there's got to be more to it than that. Why do the overwhelming majority of Christians come to believe in Jesus Christ when they are children? Because children will believe whatever you tell them, but the older you get, the more skeptical we become. Look to Jesus and my sins are forgiven? There's got to be more to it than that. I, three million people in the children of Israel. I don't know how much space that takes, but approximately three million people were there. Okay? So Moses, for whatever reason, here's my, my tent. And Moses comes right outside the door of my tent and says, right there is the middle of the camp. I'm going to set the pole right there. Look at the brass snake on top of it, and you won't die your snake bite. I get bit by snake. I just look up there, and I'm instantly healed. But there's somebody living right out there on the outskirts of the tribe of Israel. And they're not right next door to the snake on the pole. Do you realize that if that person way out there looks at the snake, they get healed just as quickly as I do right next to the snake? Please, hear this. I don't care how far you are out there. I don't care how much you have walked away from God. You are his child just as quickly as a little child is when you just simply by faith look at his son. He doesn't say clean yourself up and I'll forgive you. He just says come unto me all you are heavy laden. I'll take you. Come on. Walk with me. You see we... We try to clean up. We try to change. We try to do. And God says, no, don't do that. Just come over here. Climb up in my lap. 
sin with me. Well, let me, let me read a couple more verses. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah. Now, this is a thousand years after the brazen snake incident back in the wilderness with Moses as their leader, okay? He begins to rule over Judah in the third year of King Ahoshia, reign in Israel. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. Now, his dad and his grandfather that reigned the two before him, the Bible says they were evil, wicked kings. And so when God wants to compare Hezekiah to somebody, he says, you're just like your great, 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 great grandfather, King David. He removed the pagan shrines, verse 4 says. He smashed the sacred pillars and he cut down the Asherah poles. All these things were things that Israel was worshiping. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Well, wait, time out. 1,000 years later, and they still had the actual brazen snake that Moses made. Who was the first person that took the pole down, took the snake off, wrapped it in a cloth and said, we need to preserve this? You know, I, who's the first person that ever said, this judo gi is comfortable? Marilyn, don't put it in the corner. They went from being healed to now being cursed by the same snake. Because what God used at one time may not be what God uses at another time. I, I don't know, just something to think about. So he took the bronze serpent and he called it Nehushtan. Now I did a word study on Nehushtan. Nehushtan simply means it's just brass. That's what it means. Here's what, here's what King Hezekiah did. He came along and he said, you still have this stupid snake? Let me see that. And he took it and he pulverized it. And everybody's sitting there going, oh, I can't believe you did it. And he looked at everybody and said, it's just brass. Don't worry about it. It's just brass. Nehushtan. Ron, you're judo key. It's just Nehushtan. It's, it's just cotton. Granted with a lot of holes in it. But it's just cotton. Yeah, but Marilyn, you don't understand all of the memories I have doing things with those judo gi pants on. Nehushtan, Ron. It's, it's only worth rags. Tear it up. Use it for dirt. Wipe your dirty tools off and get all that grease off of them and make those shiny. (laughs) 
Hezekiah proves a couple of things to me. First, you can rise above your past. I don't care whether your parents are evil, wicked leaders or not. Hezekiah proves you're not bound to being like your parents. Hezekiah proves that you can bring good out of bad. That is possible. You're looking to your past, and some of you, your past is so bad and so hurtful and so evil, and God is standing here in your heart today and saying to you, if you will turn loose of that idol and give it to me, I promise you I can make it good. No matter what you're going through, you can recover. Oh, well, John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, it's a story of Jesus Christ, part of his life at least, and he's got a religious man coming to him. The Bible says he's a religious leader of the Jews. His name is Nicodemus. To get that title, religious leader of the Jews, he had to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy by heart. So he's not a biblical idiot. He knows the Bible. And he asked Jesus a simple question. What do I have to do to live forever? Now Jesus, who according to John chapter 1 is the Word, because the Word was with God and the Word was God. So everything in the Bible is about some way or another leading to and pointing to this man, Jesus Christ, who is the eternal spotless Son of God. And he's got this very astute, learned scholar in front of him. And the scholar is just saying, you are doing such miraculous things. God has to be with you. Can you explain to me? I, I want to know for sure I'm going to where Jesus or where God is. What do I have to do? He says, well, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. He said, I, I don't understand that. Do I go a second time back into my mother's body and get born all over? He said, no, no. You're putting a physical application. I'm, I'm telling you there's a spiritual truth I'm telling you. So Nicodemus says, can you explain that to me? And Jesus says, do you remember when Moses and the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness? That's in the book of Exodus, and he knows that by heart. And I can see Nicodemus sitting there saying, "What? yeah. You want chapter and verse on that one, Jesus? He said, no, no, let, let me finish the story. You, you remember when Moses made that serpent of brass, put it on a pole, and lifted it up in the middle of Israel? Yes. He says, what happened when people looked, they were healed. He said, Nicodemus, you want to know how to have everlasting life? The Son of Man must also be lifted up and crucified on a cross. That whoever would just look to him will be healed. 
I don't know where you are in your relationship with Christ. But I do know this. At some point in your life, you're going to sit down and honestly in your soul, you're going to ask, what do I have to do if there really is something after this? I, I, I want to get that taken care of. I want to make sure. And the only ultimate source of truth is Jesus. And he answers your question by saying, simply look to me and what I did on the cross by my crucifixion and my shedding of my blood as a payment for your sins. And whoever, I don't care if you're the furthest part of the camp of humanity or I don't care if you're a small innocent child whoever calls upon the name of the Lord that person shall be saved no hope so no maybe no joining a church no rubbing some degree somewhere. Look to Jesus. Dear God, help me to see the healer more than the healing. Help me to see the giver more than the gift. In just a moment, our worship team is going to come, and they're going to sing that song to us. And as they do, I want you to listen to the words and consider your heart. And let's take, let's take baby out of the corner. And, and let's be honest and transparent between us and Jehovah God. And let's just say, God, be merciful to me, and whoever does that, based on the authority of the truth giver, Jesus Christ, he will give you the gift of eternal life. And you will live forever with him in heaven. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, in Jesus' holy name, take something that has been sung or read or said and use it in every heart to draw us closer to you. Dear God above, if there's someone here who's not sure or they just know they don't have that relationship, right now at this moment, will they, may they open their heart and just honestly say, God, give me your mercy. Forgive me. And we will trust that you will step in and you'll remove all of their sins and you'll give them that gift of eternal life. I know if you wanted to, you could wave your head. Spare me this heartache change your plan I know 
If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.